It's Kitchen Table Spirituality, a Wednesday night devotional. I'm Jonathan Malone, the pastor of the First Baptist Church of East Greenwich, Rhode Island. And I'm Charlie Eastman, pastor-elect of Pilgrim Congregational Church in Southboro. Is pastor, not there yet. But is pastor-elect a real thing? Is that even a thing? I think I I've just ne- invented it. I think you... D- I've never I signed heard- a contract. They signed so, it. it. It looks like it's happening on paper. Have you not been installed? <laughs> no, I have not been installed. So yeah, I did I, my candidating weekend and voted in and all that, but I haven't been formally installed in the church yet. But I guess so. That I, well, that will happen, right? But that's in the time ex- of Corona. I feel like I just stepped on on the big news when I jumped all over pastor elect. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we alluded to the big news last time, so it's not right. really. But so you've you've had your but so we'll, we'll go backwards. So now this is an exciting time for you uh, with a it new is. community. Yes, and, and for a this... new community that I don't even get in touch with until May sixth. Technically, oh. uh, I'm not even there yet, uh, and won't be there for a little while. So um, they my won't. First Sunday was supposed to be May tenth, Mother's Day. Oh, that's nice. But we've met. We did a candidating weekend. Okay. I've met them. We we talked. They voted. All that's happened. They so. seem to like you. They Yeah, seems like it. Do you think they'll... If not, they are really good actors. Well, that's half of being part of a church is acting, isn't, isn't it? it, though? Isn't it, though? Let's hope not. That, it, no. I mean, but, yeah, right. I was gonna go. I was gonna follow you along with that bit, but then I thought, no, we really should no. remind people that no, church should be one of those few places where you can be authentic. That's right. Uh, speaking of church, Jonathan, we we need an update. What's going on at East Greenwich? Oh my gosh, I I think we're now returning to our usual. Um, I, I, we're not returning to usual. People still stay home. Don't come to worship. I mean, don't come to church. Come to worship on Facebook and all that. You're doing great. Uh, but we're doing Bible study this week at on Wednesday at 1130. We're going to do Zoom with that. Um, that would have just happened if you're listening to us at Wednesday night. Uh, this Sunday, I believe the Sunday school class is still going to meet before church at 9. You'll get information about that. And we're going to have our first fellowship cafe uh, after church on Zoom, and I'll send you the information. And then the senior high, we're going to meet at 3 o'clock uh, at, uh, through Zoom as well. So. Uh, yeah, I guess my my time of just lounging around and doing as little as possible is over. <laughs> They've figured out that you have figured out how to do this. Yeah. <laughs> and now you're in trouble. Good yeah. for you, good for them. It's all so, good. It is, it is. We've been people have been very active in many, many ways, and that's been wonderful. And I was going to ask how things if you have news, I, do you know if people from Franklin will be listening or did you have you cut all ties? <laughs> there's never a cutting all ties. No, there the important isn't. thing is that the congregation gets to go forward without me as their pastor or without right. me serving as their pastor. So if we can observe that relationship correctly, mm-hmm. I'm going to see these folks in the street. We're going to wave. We're going to say hi and catch up. We're just not going to talk about what's happening at the church. But I am at liberty to say, I do know this mm. for the folks at Franklin Federated, your awesome interim search team has narrowed it down. They are almost ready to pick a candidate and they are, they're just doing a great job. Oh, fantastic. So Sue Borchard and the entire team have been working diligently. We don't know the start date yet for when that person will begin, but you are in great hands, Franklin Federated. And, um, that's part of what's coloring this whole saying goodbye experience for me. Mm. Uh, but we'll talk more about that in a bit. Yeah, yeah, we will. 
Uh, and and do you know? Do you think anyone from Southboro will be listening? I don't know. I haven't really made a big deal about pointing this out to them. Yeah, so right. there's a no, good chance that maybe they won't yet. I'm technically not on the clock yet. Oh, that's right. Which isn't. It's. It's not like it's. Ministry is not so black and white where, right. you know, it, it ends right here and begins right here or anything like that. But I, I, I wanted to be respectful of this kind of break between their interim minister right. leaving and I haven't even started yet. And Charlie, I don't did want they, to open the fire hose on them. Do yet. you not have a time clock with a punch card? Oh. I do. Uh, well, I, we, I punch in and punch out. I'm like, wow. People, yeah. I, I some checked. some churches have have actually moved on from the time card, but um, good that's good for you. Good yeah, for you, Jonathan. People call me when I'm done with the good day and you. say, "Can you pray for me?" And I say, "No, but I can't tomorrow. <laughs> but I'm out today." No, no, off the clock. Off the clock. Sorry. I shouldn't even be taking this phone call. There's an answering <laughs> service. <laughs> Maybe you can get one of the pastors on call. Yeah. Oh yeah, one of them. <laughs> One of them. Hey, that is a piece of good news, though. There, there are a couple um, pastors, retired pastors yeah. in the congregation. I know that's an oxymoron of a term, but right, right. Um, there are two retired pastors in the congregation at Franklin who are going to be able to uh, connect with folks around pastoral care issues until the interim gets there. So that, that was a big relief, too. Yeah, that's great. It, yeah. yeah, that's really good. So, uh, And we wanted to mention that the music we're hearing... Fine music, the yeah. lovely music, yeah. the theme music. That theme music, we should give credit where credit's due. That Please. was done by um, one Andrew Malone. Hey, wait, Malone? <laughs> I know. Is there a relation between the two of you? A little bit. He's a he's he's um, a, a younger and American not nearly Baptist as handsome minister. brother of mine. Oh, okay. So if anyone wants to hear, he's done a lot of these kind of little, we, I call it bump music, um, all oh, on yeah. ukuleles. Go to andrewmalone.com. I'm going right now. Yeah, it's all free. With this podcast. Oh, maybe I'll wait. I'll <laughs> yeah. wait till after. Well, thank you. That, that's, I appreciate I, that. I don't, I don't want to hurt you, Jonathan. I don't want to throw you into a spiral of grief right in the middle of the podcast. Nicely done. I knew it was going to happen. I knew you were going to get there. <laughs> so grief. Yeah. Grieving. Letting go. Saying goodbye. That's yeah, and I, you know, I think we're going to use you as a as a case study to a to a degree. Okay, if that's all right, I can handle that. I, I figured you can. You've been doing this for a while. Although my my grief is weird because it's mixed with the excitement of the new thing. So, mm. but I I have had I have still gone through all five stages of the Kubler Ross model of grief, and I'm in the process of adding the. Uh, that last, is it Kessler stage, the sixth stage? I think so. Mm-hmm. So we talked about it last week. We did. But, but yeah, I, I mean, I think grief is something, you know, grief and anger, we mentioned it last week, how closely connected they are, how anger is a part of grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, uh, and anger comes out in its own ways, but grief is that bigger sense of things are lost. I'll give you an example from our community uh, one of our major events for the year, probably our biggest event, is our May breakfast. Now, mm-hmm. I know up there in the northern wilderness of Massachusetts, you may, <laughs> you may not have May breakfast. Um, yeah. Doesn't ring a bell? No, I think it's a, it's a fairly unique Rhode Island tradition. We, oh, we have okay. Johnny Cakes. We have Ham's oh, Cakes. Oh, Johnny Cakes. I remember growing up in Mystic. 
which yeah. is not far from Rhode Island. Right. Yeah. Mystic is just waiting to be annexed into Rhode Island, from what I understand. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. Just waiting. Just as soon as Westerly says it's okay, and they keep saying no, so that's the thing that keeps getting in the way. <laughs> Can you West- blame them? Well, Westerly's I mean, busy trying to be the mystic of Rhode Island. Exactly. And Westerly knows that once mystic comes in, then they're no longer, I mean, well, who would care about Westerly at that point? Both towns have particular charms that I have loved all my life. Nicely said. Very diplomatic. Well done, Charlie. Mm. <laughs> I'm glad. Um, but so our May breakfast is one of our major events, and we serve between four and 600 people, uh, you know, once a year. Wow. Yeah, it's a big, big deal for us, and we got the whole church working, and first Saturday of May, and of course we had to cancel it, and and that was not it was not an easy decision to make, and and we're, there is a sense of what is lost with that, um, there is grief with that decision, and, and I know there are many, many other decisions that have had to have been made that people are wrestling with as well. That sense of oh, of course. Every time we get a new state regulation update or, or hear about, well, we can't go back to school until this date or that date. And right. It's, a, mm, it's hard. And, and while we're recording this, we're in the midst of a lot of back and forth between states and the federal government trying to decide who's going to be the decider of when everybody gets back to work. And of course, there's lots of pushback on both sides. And right. Some people want to get right back to work and say just, you know, some people are going to have to die and then other people don't want to do that. They want to preserve life. Um, it's it's challenging. And I think people are grieving on all sides of it. Yeah. What do you think is, you know, when we talk about, you know, in, in our field, a healthy grief. Hmm. Like what what are what are one of those things you think is is a good step towards having a healthy grief? Well, I think get, for most of us, especially those of us native to New England, there's that you know the classic first step is admitting there's a problem. Uh, mm. So many of us wind up cycling through the stages of grief without even admitting that we're grieving, mm. uh, especially when it's something that we don't think we should be grieving. Like I I shouldn't be upset about this. I should be relieved. Uh, when we first were told that we were being quarantined or, or that we were going to all going to sequester in our homes and not have lots of social contact, a lot of people said, gosh, this is great. It's like a mini vacation when we thought it was mini. Hmm. This is like a, a break and I'm finally, my house is going to be clean and I'm finally going to take that great course that I've been putting off in Latin religious thought and I'm finally going to uh, learn yoga and on and on and on. And then they would crash so hard because they weren't willing to honor the fact that they had already entered the grieving process. Uh, and, and, And it keeps compounding over and over because we keep seeing these little glimpses of, oh, it's getting better. Oh, it's all right. And then we keep having these doors getting slammed in our faces. Nope, not yet. We haven't even reached the top of the curve yet. We're... And so it's it's making yeah. the whole thing harder. I, I, I probably didn't answer your question. No, I think I, I think you did. I think naming the grief is you yes, did. Charlie. That's where we go. Yeah, naming the grief. I, I'm never going to um, shame you on the podcast, Charlie. Don't worry. <laughs> You're so good at waiting till we're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, folks. Someday I'll print. I'll I'll, I'll uh, post the outtakes when we just berate a, each other for everything we did wrong. Please don't. No, no, Please no. Don't. I'm still trying to heal from last time. <laughs> See, the grief. anger over the anger episode. Yeah, but but uh, um, naming the grief, naming the loss, mm. is so so important that you know it. 
it hurts to not be able to, you know, so like I'll, I'll continue with the made breakfast example. It was, it was going to be, Please it's do. always a lot of work. It's, it's a lot of time. And you can say, great, now we have this extra time we didn't plan on having. We have a free weekend. Right. And, but The silver lining club. Yeah, but we go to that so quickly because we're uncomfortable right. in the discomfort. We're trained to move on. Yeah. Right? We're trained to get over it. Come on, let's right. go. This is not that bad a thing. You know, we, we're we not, uh, who was it? Patton Oswalt posted a funny quote the other day where he said, Anne Frank lived in an attic for the last two years of her life. Mm. We've been indoors for uh, two months with Netflix and food delivery, and we're already storming right. the state capitol. So, um, it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we. I mean, it, we don't, hard. to take from our, our Jewish brothers and sisters, we don't sit Shiva. No. We, we, we don't do sit in the grief and say, this is what was lost and this hurts. Right. And, and yeah, I think that is, is so important for us to do, um, to I say... I wonder what sitting Shiva does to the traditional stages of grief. I wonder how it plays in. Huh. There's got to be books written about that by now. Yeah. Well, I mean... the. If, Sitting gonna, Shiva, for those that don't know, you've alluded to it, but it's the practice of spending time after the death of someone, a loved one, someone close to you, right. and, and reflecting on their life and sitting together and being in mourning together. And it's a, it's a prolonged, I've, I want to say it's seven yeah, days. it goes for weeks. Yeah. Oh, seven days? I'm well, sorry. I, I thought it's it at least longer. I th- well, maybe, but it depends. A, yeah, maybe on what kind of, if you're Orthodox or, right. or conservative. The or, person is already buried, and then right. you begin sitting Shiva, right? Right, but you're not supposed to do anything. And, and, right. no. and the degrees of that are, are different depending on what kind of mm-hmm. Judaism you ascribe to. But you, yeah. you're not supposed to say, well, I'll clean the house, and then I'll sit back down and grieve. No, you just sit there, and you be sad. Honor the grief. Yeah. So, and if I may geek out on the Kubler-Ross just for a moment... Please Always, do. Yeah, just, I love that. I, I think Kubler-Ross came up with some really great stages of grief, and they're very, very helpful. Please be careful, people, thinking that they're linear, because they're not. Um, we alluded <laughs> to this last point. time. You kind of move back and forth. And remember that her study was based on people who were terminally ill, and the final stage for all of them was dying. Um, and that's yeah. not the goal that we're looking for when we talk about grief. So it's it's always Ideally. it's a good study with caveats. That's right. Um, just to throw that out there, but I, I you know, I, I think that, I think yeah, we, we are people who are constantly busy, constantly moving forward, constantly saying, what is the thing that we can be doing? And we don't just sit in the grief well. That's right. Well, I think it's a, it's a perfect expression of the first stage of grief, which is denial. Yeah. Denying that something has happened, denying that something's wrong. The moment that someone comes in and says, your father has died, often your first reaction is, I don't believe it. I, I haven't seen him. I, I, right. I cannot accept it. I, I don't believe it. There's no way. Right. Um, I need to see so, the body. So denying, exactly. So denying that there is grief at all is a natural extension of the process, which, which embraces that denial. Yeah. How do you... I find sometimes for me it's hard when I'm sitting with someone else who's grieving to help them name it as well. Have you have you mm. encountered that? There, I, I usually just use the question carrot. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it, could you be grieving? Could nice. you be sorry? You know, someone comes and they're all like 
like, you know, clapping me on the back. I'm so excited. I just lost my job. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. This is awesome. Leaving those losers behind. I've wanted to leave there for so long. And, you know, after a while, they're, you know, buying not six packs anymore, but entire cases of beer and consuming them before sundown. And you have to say, could this be grief? (laughs) Right. And often allowing them to take the step of naming it is powerful. I think you're right. Off allowing or making that saying, it's okay to name that this is a loss. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think, um, yeah, we, we, with the moving forward also with what's the positive spin, what's the good in this, and to say, yeah, there, there may be good that can be found out of this, but it's okay for us to take that time and say, here's what hurts. Here's what's been yeah, lost. Have to. We yeah. have to. Uh, yeah, I think you're, yeah. I think that you're you're dead so, on. Yeah, beating denial and so you can embrace it is really important. <laughs> yeah. And then the second stage, anger. We dealt with last time. Yeah. So we don't need to even talk. I mean, I'm done with anger. Basically, I after. Y'all know how to be angry now. That was yeah. a master class last week. Yeah, I re-listened to it, and now I've been in such a state of zen ever since. It's been wonderful. It's been oh, bliss. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm back I thought to you were going to say you've been angry ever since listening to it. Ah. Uh. Well, that's that's deep down buried. I, I repress my feelings. There you go. Yeah. But absolutely, after you get through the denial stage, it's generally followed by anger, uh, or you can get angry, you know, go back to my horrible example of your father died, and, and sometimes people are just angry. Mm. Why, why didn't the doctors work harder? Why didn't anyone tell us that he was sick? Why didn't uh, all the just frustrations and the anger billows out? which can then cycle you back to, it, it can't be real. Right. It feels surreal. So you go it, back to denial. Right. And then is, bargaining is next, right? Bargaining is next. Yeah. Which is often, maybe uh, if I it, just work harder, maybe if I just yeah. try harder, then... And, and what I find with people... Maybe if they, I eat better, the cancer will go away. Right. Here's what I find that um, disturbs me with people of faith, if they say, maybe if I, it, maybe if I just pray harder... God will change things. Or maybe if I went to church more, sometimes the bargaining is retroactive. Right. I should have gone to church more. I should have had more faith. Right. If we'd had more people praying for dad, then he would have pulled through. And and, and people, please don't do that. Don't do that to yourself. That's not how God works. That's not a loving God, the one that punishes in in such a a capricious kind of manner. Uh, that's, That's not love. That's not God. God doesn't punish. That's anthrop- anthropomorphizing God, really. Yeah. <laughs> we, want, we want God to be as human as we are and as fallible as we are sometimes. So we give God this vengeful, or not vengeful, this pettiness that, that many of us inhabit. That's unfair. Yeah. Unfair to you, unfair to God. And then somewhere in there is despair. Is that after the yes. bargaining? Yeah, probably. Uh, dab, yeah, dabda, right? Denial, anger, bargaining despair, uh, de- depression or despair and then yeah. acceptance. Oops, hey, sorry, I jumped ahead. No, that's all right. Oh, geez, you spoil it. No, um, I think that despair <laughs> is, you know, I also, I hear that as part of just reclaim, re-going, going back to the grief itself. Um, to me, it, it's the helpless part. Yeah. It, it's the part, I know someone's in depression or despair when they're, when I just say, so how you been? How you doing? And they say, I, I haven't been doing anything. Right. I've been staring out the window, watching the droplets of rain accrue on the window pane, and you know, and that is a really tricky spot because there, there's 
there's an aspect of which it, of grief that it can be a good thing just to not do anything. True. But but to not do anything in but such a place. This is New England. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is 2020. Let's say this is 2020. Right. Right. So that can be good. But when, but when you get into this place of depression where you cannot you not do anything and just spiral further into a place of hopelessness, mm-hmm. that's when it become yeah. dangerous. I found this quote by John of the Cross. Do you mind if I read it? Oh, bring it. I love yeah. John of the Cross. Yeah, for those John who don't Chrysostom. know John of the Cross, he has a couple of albums out there. I encourage you to look at his early <laughs> ones. <laughs> his early work was much better. Yeah, he was known for especially his idea of the dark night of the soul, um, where mm-hmm. he basically says, you know, sometimes that place where you are in that, in that sense of despair and loss can be a really good thing. Out of that can come a stronger and deeper faith. Um, his, he, he was alive from 1542 to 1591 um, mm-hmm. at, at the height of the Inquisition, I think. Yeah, you think we've got it bad. Yeah, seriously. At least there's no Spanish Inquisition happening that That's we know right. of so far. Let's not compare Dark Nights of the Soul with him. No. Uh, but he has this quote saying, My spirit is dry within me because it forgets to feed on you. And he's talking to God. <sighs> And yep. I, I think that sense of that despair when we're just lost and, and, and separate from everyone is different from a sense of feeling lost and sad, but saying, now I'm going to just rest on God because I can't do this. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, 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 it's, and that's the best advice for that stage, for that yeah. despair stage. That's, yeah. that's all you can do. And often folks of faith have taken great refuge in just saying, God, I can't do it anymore. This is the moment where where Jesus, right. you know, if I have to take this cup, not my will, but let your will be done. Yeah. Um, that's that's the moment that we need to get to in our grieving process. Just, yes, Lord, this hurts way too much. My wheelbarrow is overflowing, and I just need to pour some of this out on you. And I imagine um, there are people listening tonight that have been in that place who have said, I can't do another day of this. Or I can't imagine another week of, of having to do this. Of course. And that and that's yeah. where you say, so don't imagine God carrying you through. And know that mm-hmm. God will be there, carry you through. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Do you want to go to the, the last stage or you want to just leave it at despair? Well, yeah. I mean, despair no. follows eventually to acceptance. Yeah. Where you accept... It's it's loaded. Yeah, <laughs> you don't, yeah. You don't just accept the way things are. That's not all it means. But but you accept the facts of what spawned your grief, and and you find a way to, if not reconcile it in your heart, you find a way to live with it. Yep. You accept that it's okay to not be okay. You accept that it's okay to miss the the loved one you've lost. You accept. That yes, I have this illness, and now I'm going to fight it or or relinquish myself to it. You 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 accept. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You fold the loss into your life, and you. Yeah, the way nice. I've described it is, um, it, if you think about it, you know, you you're wounded, and now you're going to have a limp, and that limp is never going to go limp. away. Yes. And so now, but yeah. learning how to walk with that limp and honoring where that limp came from. Is part yeah, of I, that. I feel like twelve-step groups are much better at this than the rest of us. They, yeah, they talk about honoring the hurts you've delivered and and received at your own hand. Yeah, often and, and and learning to be the person that carries that forever. You know, people who are 
you know, I, I'm a smoker for life or I'm an alcoholic for life. It doesn't mean they're celebrating uh, abusing substances. It means they honor that that part of their journey that is wholly theirs forever. Right. And their acceptance journey means accepting it forever and, and dealing with life as it is in light of that. So I think most of us, or many of us, our desire is to jump to that when we say, well, I got to be home now. I'll just, I can get all this stuff done. I'm going to be so productive. That's trying to skip all those other parts instead of saying, (laughs) all right, uh, there's sadness. There was that this can't be true. I'm so angry about this. Like, uh, what if I do this better? Or, okay, I guess this is how it's going to be. And then, but here's how I can still live. Skipping ahead always seems preferable. When you're in the process, you can always convince yourself that you should be beyond this painful stage because you're feeling the pain so acutely. It's the most natural thing in the world. The the Kessler, uh, the last stage at Kessler adds, um, Mm -hmm. he he adds this making meaning stage where he says, after acceptance comes this opportunity for you to make meaning out of what you were grieving over, out of the experience. And for some of us, we get to that point, um, again, beating this this uh, example to death of losing someone, you go back to that place where you say, all right, my job is to tell their story and mm. share their love with the world and help people understand why why this relative was so pivotal in my life. And you make meaning out of their loss uh, for some people, it's 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 not such a joyful outcome. For some people, it's like yes, we're going forward with the lawsuit. We're making we're they will not die in vain. We're gonna we're gonna make meaning out of this through making sure that it never happens again, or this company isn't allowed to do this to anyone else. And there's right. lots of ways to make meaning. Yeah. But the making meaning part is there's a lot of different ways to add on to the Kubler Ross model. But I right. think of all of them, the making meaning is the only one that I have seen that. Yeah. Kind of follows in the spirit of what she's tried to do. I like that. I don't want to rush to that. I feel like a lot of pastors are trying to make meaning and end up... During the bargaining stage or that. Right. And end up saying, well, God's doing this to prove a point or... And that's forcing a meaning into something. You've got to... I don't know if we really can find meaning in, in this until we're through it. I totally agree. It's retroactive. That that part, you have to be able to look back on the history of what you've experienced yeah. to understand it. You can't do it in the moment. I don't care who you are. Yeah. Well, I, the, I, what I want to encourage people listening to do is, um, you know, tonight and during, the, during our prayers and then tomorrow, the next day, just to name those things that have been lost. I, there's a lot good. that's been gained from this. There's a lot of, of good that's come out of this, and, and that's wonderful, but... With all the negativity we're hearing, especially with the political um, politi- politicization of this, we need yeah. to name those things that have been lost for us in particular. Be selfish for a moment. It's okay. Yeah. You know? That May, that, that May breakfast was going to be amazing. You deserve to, yeah. to be upset about it. I was going to send you tickets, Charlie. Oh, you really are the best. <laughs> Don't tell the others. I, I, I won't tell a single soul. Um no, but yeah. So part of the reason we were going to get into all this was was the grieving process that I've been in and that my congregation has been in. Yeah. Because in the midst of corona crisis, I decided to move on from my current position and take a new one. Mm. Not really. All that was in motion already, but, but right. our process and how we're grieving through it is all happening now. 
Right. Uh, and it's it's really challenging. I, really I challenging. Can, and I, I don't get to imagine. walk with them through it. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like they get to do their grieving process, but meanwhile I have to do mine and never the twain shall meet in some degrees. And 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 we only have about a minute or so, but you know, I, I want people to hear that when a pastor leaves a church, even on, under the best of circumstances, there's grieving involved, right? Charlie, I mean, there's, you That's are experiencing right. grief. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we, I had an amazing exit interview Thursday night where we talked about highlights and accomplishments and about things that the congregation can celebrate for many years to come. We talked about challenges that are currently facing the congregation, and it was, it was a really great time, and it reminded us that, that yeah, it's every, every transition, every, every little death has with it its grief. Mm. And sometimes you're mourning what you've lost, sometimes you're mourning what you're going through, but you're, you're probably in grief in every kind of change. And often you're in grief in moments when you don't think you should be. Yeah. Like I get to go to a new opportunity and Franklin Federated Church gets to have new opportunities and new voices now. It is truly all good. Yeah. But we don't get to do it together. Yeah. I guess that's the, that's the grieving point for me. Yeah. So and people hear that. I, w- I want to encourage them. everyone you know, to be praying for, for Charlie and his Thank family you. and for Franklin Federated. Um, it, it is never an easy thing. Even if you, you've discerned, you said God has been a part of this and, and God's spirit is moving and, and feels like the right mm-hmm. thing to do for you and for the church and where you're going. It sounds like lots of blessings, but we'll be keeping you in prayers because it's never, you're right, every transition involves grief. And, and I just want people to know that, that when a pastor leaves, they're not just, you know, singing and dancing. Most cases, if you're a bad church, then usually we are singing and dancing. But our churches that are listening <laughs> right now aren't, so. <laughs> no, they're not. No. They're lovely. There are no bad churches, Jonathan, only bad podcasters. <laughs> I've got no words for that. I can tell Fair you that's enough. no, there are bad churches out there, but I'm not going to name them. They know who they are. Thank you. Yes. All right, fine. <laughs> Let's move to to prayer. Um, I've got Wonderful. a I, I've got a closing prayer from we've our friend who we've had on on the podcast before, Augustine of Hippo. Oh, he, good old Augustine. Good old uh, boy. How's was he doing? He How's he doing during the crisis? He um, um, he is falling apart. I'll tell you that. Oh, he is, yeah. he is just crumbling before our eyes. Um, I guess he would. Yeah, oh, that's well. so he was, he lived from 354 to 430. Yeah. Um, so He's take that. He's literally falling discombobulating. apart. Discombobulating. Right. Okay. <laughs> so on that note, <laughs> shall I take us into a time of prayer? Or do you Please want do, to? Please do, Charlie. Then, I'll, I'll, then right. I'll pray and then end with Augustine. Lovely. Let us pray. Oh God, thank you for this opportunity to talk with Jonathan today and also to reflect on how we grieve and how we learn to let go. God, you know I've been praying constantly for the folks of Franklin Federated, and I continue to do so. And um, I thank you for shepherding us all through to this moment, and I thank you that you will always be with us. Um, God, I pray for um, a, a short break and then the arrival of an interim And I continue to pray for Jonathan's congregation at East Greenwich and anyone who hears this, that they might be able to move past denial into anger, bargaining, depression, and finally acceptance of their grief. 
God, I, I, I pray for Franklin Federated and I pray for Charlie and his family. Uh, in this time of transition, a time of blessings and joys and hardships and sadnesses compounded with the, the challenges of, of COVID-19. I pray for all of those who are in the midst of grief right now for whatever reason. I especially lift up those who have lost loved ones and can't have the kinds of services that just bring meaning into those places of grief. I pray for everyone who finds themselves saying, I can't do this for another day. I can't do this for another week. I just can't do this anymore. Give us the courage, Lord, to sit and be still and invite you into our presence, to invite you into our grief, to help us to sit in the hardship and the pain, and to trust you that it will not be forever, that we will be guided by you into places of still waters, places where we are refreshed. We pray this in all things in Jesus' name. Now from Augustine of Hippo. Watch, O Lord, with those who wake or watch or weep tonight, and give your angels charge over those who sleep. Tend your sick ones, O Lord Christ. Rest your weary ones. Bless your dying ones. Soothe your suffering ones. Pity your afflicted ones. Shield your joyous ones. And for all your love's sake. Amen. Amen. I think I first heard that prayer when Mark Heim shared it in a uh, systematic theology course. I, I love that prayer. Oh, I see. That's the first time. I don't, I don't remember much from seminary. Yeah, thank you very, very much, everyone, for listening. Be safe. Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Be well. Thanks. And bye. Bye.